1: Welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker. This is one of our midweek pods, uh, so you're probably not used to hearing my voice on one of these. Um, Obi is off this week, and I have um, kindly um, stepped in for him. Um, you're going to hear me, and going to be with some regular faces, regular names. Going to go around and introduce them all. I'll start with you, Greg. How you doing, Greg?
3: Uh, I'm doing good, man. I know, I know, I know. You consider me a friend, unlike some of our former podcast hosts. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Uh okay, how's it going, mate? It's been a while since I've been on a pod with you, that is.
2: Yeah, man, it's been good. I can't lie. I've been vaccinated. I'm growing wings to all you anti-vaxxers, so be careful. <laughs> but other than that, I'm good.
0: <laughs> and last but not least, yes, how you doing, mate? All good, bro. And yeah, it is funny, we've actually got two cast members who've had the vaccine now. So if any anti-vaxxers just want to keep tabs on what the effects might be to voices or faces or whatever, I don't think what <laughs> yeah, I don't think any other podcast people offering <laughs> that. And next week I might be bold like
2: Harold, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> cool. So before we get
1: into the, the main body of the, the pod, I wanted to just discuss a few things from the last um, few days with you guys. I'm um, going to start, you guys discussed it on Sunday's pod, yes. But it's all confirmed now. Uh, Blake Griffin has gone to the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Um, since you discussed it on Sunday, I'll go to UK. To to get your thoughts uh, in terms of uh, Blake going to the Nets, and um, do you think this is um, the earth shaking move that some quarters are making it, or or is Blake at this point past it and is just another little piece in a in a big picture? Yeah, I'm
2: in two minds because I was once a big Blake Griffin stan, and I remember there were certain quarters of the internet and even my friendship group who were saying Draymond was better. But I've not forgotten you, even though Drake might um, Blake might be washed now. But in terms of him at the nets i'm not surprised firstly because there's nowhere else for him to go and first secondly like detroit aren't in a place where they're going to compete they're paying him a lot of money and neither one kind of want to be in that situation so i think for, it's a nice pickup for them like it's just somebody else you can score and handle the ball in the paint so maybe the in and out with like kd and um him but at the same time i don't think he's going to start anyway so it should be interesting the dynamic because I know they don't want KD playing the three for long periods of time. So I know he kind of likes playing that smaller ball five. But yeah, man, I think people are kind of over-gassing it, because if it was Blake Griffin five years ago, maybe I'll start being a bit terrified. But right now, like, what they get, if it's good, good. If it's bad, well, you're only paying one million. So we'll see what happens, man.
1: Also, it's um, low-risk, high-reward potentially, um, a lot's been made of the fact that one one of the best athletes we've seen in the NBA hasn't had a dunk. It's been, what, over a year or so since he last dunked. Um, I saw a clip going around um, on Twitter earlier today. Um, I think it was from November 2020, showing him in training, and he was dunking. Um, so, that's... <laughs> 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 that's the
0: yes. most
2: lazy this... stat ever, because he's not played. This is...
3: This is this is this is the 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 depths that we have fall into on NBA Twitter, where <laughs> we're amazed that a six foot nine NBA player can dunk.
2: And <laughs> <laughs> like, like, this is breaking news. <laughs> it's so it's so disingenuous. They're like, oh yeah, he's not really dunked in a year. I'm like, bro, you know, he played 18 games last year. Why do you think he's not dunked in a year? Exactly. But why would it with perspective? I mean, this is a guy that
3: was dunking like five times a game in his prime. So. I, I do put kind guys of get on where a poster they're for
0: sure, man. But well, what I think I- the main thing, I think the main thing with his physical isn't even gonna be they don't need a guy to dunk. Like if anything, if he's at the four, it's just gonna be whether he can stay in front of everyone and shuffle his feet and be quick across. Like that's gonna be the real thing that kills them or not. If they need a dunker, they can throw on DeAndre, they can throw on he can, he can
2: barely throw. dunk anymore. That's just dunking by default.
0: You're seven foot man. A net's dunk is probably the easiest dunk in the NBA at this point.
1: Mm. What I don't well, ask though, um away from the dunkin and the kind of highlight stuff is. Obviously, we, we know him from the Clippers and he's kind of really developed his game over the last last few years where he's become an all-round player. In terms of like his hoops IQ, where, where do we potentially see him add in value? Obviously, has spoken about the defensive end, but are there any additional wrinkles he could potentially add to a Nets team who, to be honest with you, are scoring at a record clip? But, you know, in the playoffs, teams will scheme, they'll take things away from you. Um, so are there any potential wrinkles that Blake can give them that they don't currently have? Inside out maybe,
2: and even really? though I'm gonna
1: I, I'm
3: gonna talk about the go 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 ahead Kenya.
1: And I'm just
2: saying like potentially like inside out, but as we've seen his career go, he slowly made his way like outside the paint. But at the same time, I don't think they really want him out there because even though he's developed his shot, like it's still not his strength. So I'll say potentially like playmaking from within the post is something they'll try and consider. But at the same time, I think he's gonna be a bench guy anyway, and it'll be him maybe handling the ball a lot more from inside and trying to do a little thing. But that's as far as I think is going.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to cover the Nets uh, later on in the podcast. I don't want to say too much, but I mean, when I think of Blake Griffin, I don't think defense. So, uh, I mean, you know, we know the defense is an issue for the Nets. Um, And then offensively, you know, he's obviously past his prime, uh, hasn't been shooting the ball well just in in terms of three point shooting and just from an efficiency standpoint. Um, So I'm not really sure what he's going to bring to the table because uh, on the offensive side of things, we know the Nets don't really need any more firepower, and then defensively, I don't see him, you know, adding to their defence. So it's going to be interesting, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how, just how many minutes a game he does play for the Nets as well. Cool, cool, cool. cool. on him being waved? <laughs>
1: I'll give you five to one right now.
2: <laughs> well, all right, listen, I'm going to put some money down on him being waived before the playoffs. I like these odds. I might buy a Blake Griffin jersey as well. because you know. No, but this is the
0: thing. The Nets' is job for the boys now, Like whether it's Jeff Green, whether it's uh, DeAndre Jordan, whether it's Blake Griffin, it's it's right. it's jobs for the boys. So they won't be waiving one of the boys.
2: <laughs> it's just vibes right now. Facts,
1: facts, facts. Cool. So, uh, obviously, uh, this is the All Star weekend, a bit different from previous years, obviously, due to COVID. Uh, but there are a few things I just wanted to get some feedback from you guys for and obviously um, hear what you've thought. Um, so, firstly, um, in terms of the game, a couple of guys ended up having to miss the game a certain Joel Embiid and a certain Mr. Ben Simmons. Um, they got uh, trims from a barber who's Potentially been exposed to somebody who had COVID. So as a result, they weren't able to suit up. Um so starting off, getting your thoughts on that.
0: Firstly, this is the second time that a barber has caused this because the Houston Rockets debacle where they lost half their roster early in the year was from a barber as well. So it just shows the the risks that people are taking for shape ups this season. is it's, it's large.
1: Yeah, they say believe in your barber, but uh, at this moment in time, it, it looks like <laughs> are getting guys in, in more trouble. Um, the actual game ended up being 170 to 150 to Team LeBron. Um, the game itself wasn't that spectacular, um, but they tend to be a bit closer than that. And I guess um, losing them, being then Simmons, to take away from from what um, Team Durant um, would have been able to offer. Um, let's talk about the three-point competition. A couple of your boys were in that, Yes. Um, But obviously, Steph Curry won First thing I want to ask you guys about That Gatorade shot So the, the deep, deep three That they've added this year Yes or no?
2: No No I'm sorry to be um, um, No um, no. <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense To me, and personally, that's because The three-point contest Unlike the dunk contest, you know what you're getting Is six guys whoever it is, shooting and clearly, as we've seen, shooters have gotten better. Well, not really gone better, we shoot a lot more in the NBA. So you're more likely to have a lot more guys shooting a higher or lower percentage. So we know what we're getting, and it's going to be just as exciting every single year if dudes are on. But this extra shot just for range, I think they just like pander into like the new school Steph Curry, um, Lillard fans. I don't know, man, that really makes sense. And it's kind of just like...
0: The main reason I think you know, you know it, why they're uh, doing it, right? But the, but, the, but the main reason this failed is that Mariah called it a Gatorade shot when it was Mountain Dew. So clearly the sponsorship does <laughs> not Oh right, it was Mountain Dew, <laughs> wasn't it? So, <laughs> so it's not going well. It was
2: Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> yeah, you're
1: right. <laughs> yes, because I was just thinking green, and I thought a Gatorade. I don't know why, but yeah, it was Mountain
0: Dew.
3: Because so the Gatorade sponsor it. the the bench drink. Whenever you yeah, see it, a yeah, shot yeah, of the yeah. of the bench, <laughs> and the, you <laughs> see Gatorade. That's why have a good one yeah um yeah I mean I, I I know why the NBA is doing it because they want it, you get what's it three points for that shot so um you know there's a higher chance that a player is gonna set a new top score and, and that results in you know additional marketing and so on and so forth uh, so I know why they're doing it um I don't really have a problem with it, it it's it's as Canyon said catering to the to the current climate of the NBA um, it'd be interesting to see what additions they make or if they keep it for next year.
1: Interesting. I, f- I would have thought you and Kay would have been the other way around. I thought you would have been like, heritage, heritage, heritage. Uh, Larry Bird is scrunching up his fists wherever he is in Indiana.
2: I'll scrunch him up his fists in Indiana too. That place stinks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cool. Um, I didn't want to talk about this, but you specifically wanted to get your, get your opinion off. So um, the dunk contest, uh, Anthony Simmons ended up winning that. Um, yeah, well, what, what did you want to say, Greg? Let the people know. Yeah,
3: I mean, I had Stanley winning the dunk contest. Uh, Stanley is someone that I'd followed from from when he was in like high school or high school um, from like his his Life mixtapes. Uh, that guy can, can damn near literally fly. Uh, I feel he had the best dunk of the first round and he got the lowest score. Uh, he went first, so I suppose there is a risk by going first, but I thought he clearly had the best dunk. It was disappointing that he didn't make his way to the final round. But I will just say one thing, and that is, I don't know, or I do know, but it is a shame that of all the events and festivities that happen around All-Star Weekend, the dunk contest is the only event which nine times out of ten doesn't have All-Stars in it. So, you know, when you, when you get the three-point contest, you're getting the best three-point shooters in the league or some of the best three-point shooters in the league. Uh, and, and at least a few of those are going to be All-Stars. The All-Star game is obviously All-Stars. Uh, The skills challenge, you're going to get a couple of All-Stars as well. The dunk contest seems to be the only contest or only event where you can just calmly (laughs) switch on your TV and it's just, you know, random guys uh,
0: competing in in the
3: dunk contest. And even even Stanley. Stanley hasn't even dunked in the NBA this year. And (laughs) he's in the All-Star game dunk contest. Like, come on. The the element of common sense has to be applied here.
1: You know what? Um, There's something... People were discussing, and obviously we talk about um, uh, Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon and the battles that they had and the bar that that set. And when LeBron was in the league when he was younger, there was always that uh, clamour for him to participate in the dunk contest. He didn't, I guess, from the fear of potentially losing with the amount of pressure, they would have expected him to probably reinvent the wheel with his dunks. Um, I think they say that you get 50k for winning it. Um, Is it a case of bringing it back or um, or bringing the money up, should I say, or are we at a position where we've seen everything we can potentially, no. we can possibly no. see? What's, what's happened is as that... Far as far it can get. What
3: do you no, what, think? what's happened is a couple of things. Number one, Gordon has been in the dunk contest twice. He's been, he, he's had like, what, five, six, seven, 50 score dunks, and he hasn't won a single dunk contest. So other players are looking in the league, around the league are looking at that, like, I can't do what he does, and even if i could i'm not going to win so why am i going to enter the dunk contest that's number one and then number two is uh y- now you have access to like team flight brothers and uh, and just youtube instagram and so professional dunkers have kind of raised the expectation because for the other 364 days of the year you can watch better dunkers on instagram and on the internet so now you're expecting nba players which are of course you know hella athletic but they're not professional dunkers they're professional basketball players So now you're expecting them to go and, you know, uh, be the same level as these professional dunkers that literally wake up and just dunk all day long. Uh, So it's a combination of things.
1: Cool, cool, cool. Uh, Were were you going to say something, K?
3: Scrap it. It's done.
0: Well, hold on. uh, Let me ask Greg. As the history man, right, I watched the video on the... I was six in 97, so I wasn't quite up on the dunk contest then. How the '97 dunk contest was so underwhelming that they just put it on ice for three years, and they were just like, "Yeah, now nah, we'll bring it back in 2000." And I think that was Vince Carter' like explosion of, of making the dunk contest relevant again and everything like that. How far off are they doing that? If the stars are turning it down, and it's underwhelming relative to what you see, like, but it's so synonymous with All Star Weekend to us. How how far off it just scrapping it? Do you think they are?
3: Well, then the 99 season they had a lockout so they didn't have any all-star weekend that year it was the 98 year where they they uh didn't have the dunk contest um i don't know i i think if they if they fail to attract headline players like all-star caliber players or at least not all stars but if, if there's not all-star caliber players at least you know some decent guys um i think they should replace it with like a one-on-one contest but i don't think that will happen uh for, for a number of reasons i don't think you know, players want to be turned into memes or just hot takes on on ESPN the next day <laughs> because they lost in a one-on-one contest. Um, and I do think if we did get the one-on-one contest, you know, people would want to see like LeBron and KD. And I don't think we would get that. We would get like Jamal Murray versus Terry Rozier or something
2: like that's Imagine who we, we would get in a one-on-one contest. Get smoked by Michael uh, Michael K. Gilchrist. <laughs> yeah so I I don't know I don't think they
3: will ever scrap it just because of of sponsorships and just the financial opportunity but um, yeah I think it'll be a couple of years before it it regains any sort of traction
1: agreed 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 Um, and the final thing I wanted to talk to you guys about and we're going to get into this in the um, um, discussion piece coming up next is um, the playoffs just a bit over 70 days away We've got teams like San Antonio who still need to play forty odd games. Um, what are we, <laughs> what are we expecting in the second half of in second half of this season?
2: Chaos, like you said, San Antonio got forty odd games to play in in seventy days, and then not only do we have the that issue. There's also the issue of like this is still like COVID, like we're still in a final of Like it's, we're we're in big trouble in terms of like. Getting games done, so there's that for the San Antonio alone, and then along with that injuries, and that's just San Antonio because even though they're going to be ch- trying to challenge for a playing spot or a playoff spot, that's the first issue. And then for the bigger teams, after a while they're going to think we've got this many this this many games before the playoffs in this short space of time. We are have to start sitting, guys, because we need you to be fit for what matters the most, which is the playoffs. And so, you're, as soon as like records are kind of like close to being cemented in their position, you're just gonna start seeing some even more horrible basketball because the bigger team is gonna start resting guys on uh, when they have back to backs or whatever's going on. So, yeah, I don't think it's gonna look good at least for the second half of the regular season. I think for-
3: things are so close this season. Think things are so close this season, and with COVID and everything, if if you lose two games, you could drop from like fourth to ninth. It's true. I don't think teams no, actually have the chance to rest players.
0: And then this, is what, this is what I'm wondering and if they, it's if like, they do, it's, if they it's going to be the, the
3: final two games of the season, kind of thing. You exactly. say they that, but they don't want to shorten
0: easy. rotations, but they then they're going to have to balance that more than ever with, with the, the risk factor. And it's to like, ten, great, ten, especially, ten especially ten the more. East with how tight the East is, it's like, well, I think they
3: I mean, the, the Pacers are
2: like 10th now or something. <laughs> I don't know, man, because unless they like extend the bench all the way to the 50s, I don't
1: know, because when it comes down
2: to it, someone's going to be broken by the playoffs.
1: Yeah, we'll see. But we'll get into it. We'll get into discussion now. So um, I asked you guys to each pick uh, a team that you expected to do uh, better in the second half of the season than they did in the first half, um, or to at least a team that, let's say, you thought were the real deal. Um, This is just regular season we're talking. And then to also pick a team that you thought would do um, worse in the the second half of the season than they did in the... um, first half of the season and essentially us looking ahead to second half of the season, having a discussion about things you've noticed, trends that you think will continue um, things that you think were outliers. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep a note of this and, and we'll have a discussion at the end of the regular season. Um, so I'll start with you. Yes. Cause uh, you seem the most enthusiastic. You wanted me to make sure there was no confusion between um, in exactly what I wanted. So I think, um, it would be remiss of me not to start with you. So um, let's start with a team that you're not expecting to do as well or however you want to describe it, because, I mean, the definition was something we went back on forth. Yeah, for. and
0: this, this is the thing, because I had I I looked at I had some honourable mentions. So I had, like, uh, a near-miss of Philadelphia, for example, who I think their record is a little bit Fugazi, Fugazi, it's a woozy, it's a wazzy, in that I think just if you look at who they've beat, they haven't really beaten anyone good convincingly all season for example the Sixers and I haven't been impressed with their perimeter players too much uh, but but then I think they'll make a move I think they're in every trade talk going so I think they'll be they'll be fine obviously long term but I don't think their record is as good as it appears straight away so I think they'll drop off on the team I actually decided on is someone who they might not even change in the standing so much but I just haven't seen any answer from them for questions I had at the beginning of the season. And the way they went into the All-Star break, I'm not expecting to get any real answer from them moving forward. And that's sadly who I thought might even get out of the West this year, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, so they, they came into the All-Star break with three losses on the bounce. Um, they were three and five in their last eight. So winning losing five of their last eight. And they've had people miss time, but so has everybody, right? And if you were a title contender, I think, for me, they need some better quality from their depth than than they've got. And it's been been a little bit underwhelming for me in terms of I thought they'd really, really strengthened in the off-season. And it's just not really panned out that way in terms of what I'm seeing, in terms of what I wanted to see based off of how they crumbled last year. On paper, it looks like it's fine in that they are third in offensive rating I believe and they are I think in the west at the moment they have the fifth 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 in the west I think just ahead of Denver um but it's just they just don't seem to have any real intensity outside of Paul George and Kawhi who are playing some of their best basketball um ever potentially I'm just really really underwhelmed by what's behind them um, so if you look at their their usage you've got those two guys and then the next people in usage are Marcus Morris who we said at the start of the season needs to be kept hungry on a deal and hasn't looked particularly intense in anything he's doing um, and then in no sort of order you've got Lou Will who I think's really missed a step recently he's shooting less than he ever has even if it's efficient it's just he's not impacting games from the bench like he usually does Reggie Jackson, who ball is in that man's hands far too often for me, if you're a real contender. And then Ibaka, who started on fire, but is showing his age as the season progresses. So, and then you've got people like Luke Kennard, who he put a good game together at the, the very very end against Washington in a loss, but it's just the inconsistency with him. So you look at him and, and you get sort of a 13.3 game, three assist game from him and you're like, okay, cool. And then straight away, it's 8 points, 1 assist. Then it's 12 minutes and no points. And then it's 30 minutes, 12 and 2. Okay, we are back up. And then he only plays 10 minutes. And then there's not trust there. The whole depth is is just not good enough. And I think that will start to show when everyone ups the ante a little bit. I like Zubac. I don't think maybe he plays enough. I think he's probably their best interior threat. And their crunch time numbers are abysmal. They are bad uh, in terms of sort of clutch games, so close games where where the score is is tight. They're a league-worst 26.4 net rating in the last five minutes of games that are close. Paul George had two high-profile brain farts where he went sort of two of 14 over two games in the last few minutes before the All-Star break. Um, and of those sort of tight games they've had, their record, if you spread that out, of winning those games is 7-11. and 11. So for a team that... I want to answer questions of are you more on it than before? Have you learned the lessons? Are you willing to sort of graft out close wins? They just seem to still have this attitude that didn't serve them well of oh yeah, we'll we'll work it out. And they're 16th in defence, which for the players they have is poor. So again, that's an effort thing that I just don't think they're going to be able to switch on. And when you've got people behind them in the West like Portland, who might get some people back Denver, who I think will do better as you'll hear later. And Phoenix and and the Jazz who just have really workable systems and AD coming back for the Lakers, I think they could just get crowded out and end up with a bad little matchup in the playoffs.
1: Interesting, interesting. Um, I agree. I agree. I think a lot was made of them getting rid of Doc Rivers, it being the second season, Kawhi and Paul George being more comfortable with each other. And you've seen them try and build the nucleus of the team around the two superstars, naturally run a bit of two-man game between the two of them. But it just feels like something just isn't quite right at the Clippers. Um, what are your thoughts, Greg and Kay?
2: Um, yeah, with well, yes. I think at the start of the season, we were hearing, oh, they've got Ibaka back in the team now. Like he's going to add something for them and really be the one to push them over the edge. But then when you look at them, something just doesn't seem right and everything that went wrong we saw in that Mavs game even though that feels like a lifetime ago that happened and I think everything that could possibly happen even though Kawhi wasn't playing everything that could go wrong went wrong in that game so I'm with Yaz I like Zubac he's a solid big for them Um, Kawhi and Paul George are playing out of their minds and even though we judge Paul George a bit unfairly because of his playoff escapades his ball as a top 10-15 player same with Kawhi top three top five player and, yeah, I think they just need to find, like, a balance. And I said it earlier, a while ago, like, I don't think Ty Lue's all that of a coach. And it'll be interesting to see what he does with this team. And as well, like, just take the ball away from Reggie Jackson. This is the guy who thought he was the same level as Russ and KD, back when he was at OKC. And that doesn't seem to have changed now. He's with Kawhi. <laughs> George. Like, take the ball out of his hands. Like, he's taking the Papi CC at this point in time. So...
0: Another quick one before, because I want to get Greg to thoughts yeah. well. another Another thing is trade deadline March 25th and part of the reason I didn't include Philadelphia in this for example is I think they'll make a move I think a lot of contending teams will make a little move here and there the Clippers are really really constricted in what they can actually do Um, they have no cap flexibility at all Lou Williams is an expiring eight mil a year so what are you really going to get back that's better than current Lou will even though he's 34 and, and not being aggressive on eight mil a year Pat Bev Pat, Pat, you want, I think they want a better guard in terms of creation, but then with a defense that's not doing well enough anyway, I don't think they really want to lose Pat Bev either. Um, And then Reggie Jackson's on on a low, low deal. Um, Canard has signed a big extension that he isn't showing the play worthy of right now for next year, which kicks in. So I don't think teams are going to want to take him on. So I see Clippers kind of linked with people, but then you look at their actual flexibility to do anything. And I don't think they can. So I think Canyon said it perfect is, You've got Kawhi out of his mind, Paul George having a really good season, but something is missing for them. And I don't see how they can change it.
3: My, my only uh, point to make on the back of you guys' points is that, like, offensively, we know they're putting up numbers this season in terms of, like, points per game, three point shooting. They're near the top of the league in terms of offensive rating. But all of that seems to go out the windows when they're in a close game. And, like, Candy, you, you mentioned the Mavericks game, you know, fair enough, Kawhi was out. But what came to mind for me was the Bucks game just before All-Star, um, just before the All-Star break. And like PG and Kawhi took every shot down the stretch in the last, what was it, two to three minutes. And I don't think either of them scored a point. And it's like, for a team that can generate such good looks and shoot the ball so well for the first 45 minutes of a game, it is very puzzling to me and very concerning that for the last three minutes, they don't seem to be able to do anything. And, you know, I know we're not talking about playoffs, we're talking about the second half of the season, but looking towards the, the postseason, they're going to play more of that type of last three minutes basketball when it matters most than they are that first 45-minute kind of basketball.
1: Agreed, agreed, agreed. Yes, okay. Uh, I'll come over to you to, to get your team and your thoughts on what you expect from them in the second half of the season.
2: Hmm. My team, sadly, the shock people, and one of my friends will be very disappointed, is actually the Phoenix Suns. And for me, I don't know if this is sustainable. Because last year, they just missed out on the playoffs, of course. They had a very fantastic bubble record, it was eight and two. And they had a great bubble record. And now they've shot up to, in this very close season, of course, they've shot up to, I've having added Chris Paul. they've shot up to second in the West. And the West, as we know it, is obviously more or less a shootout most of the year. So we know it's obviously the most competitive. And in the past... I'm just, I'm just shooting hypothetically. I've not seen any sign of their play like going down. But obviously, based on pure fitness alone, I'm not sure like how sustainable it is. And they perform at their best, obviously, when Chris Paul's handling the ball, Booker's playing, and the pick and, the high-picking roll is working. But I'm just slightly worried in this condensed season. And even like the guys suggested before, teams are going to have to play their players because it's a close season and two or three games dropped off. You could be down to seven for whatever. And we've seen Chris Paul break down before and there's been no sign of me, of him being any healthier than he was in the past. Like he's not been injured yet, I don't believe. And they're just going to have to ride on that and hope that goes well, that veteran leadership. And Booker, like we saw, he flamed up the report the other day. He's not been playing as good as he was. He's playing well, don't get me wrong, but he's not playing at the level he was maybe last year to propel them through the play-in tournament, um, to trying to propel them into the play-in. And even though I think they'll be like a solid playoff team and potentially make the second round, depending on what their matchup will be, I don't think the level that they've reached now, they're going to get any higher. So it's not a sense of they're not the real deal. They're a failure of a team because they're actually playing very well and they're coached well. I just don't think it's that sustainable. And we'll see like a slight drop-off in their production because going from ninth or 10th to second in the space of a season, changing your point guard and a couple other pieces... For me, that's not really sustainable, especially when your point guard, although great all-timer, is a 36, 37-year-old, undersized point guard, that as well. And we're relying on the likes of Bridges, Booker and Aiton. We're still waiting to see exactly what Aiton is, even though we kind of know what Booker is, which was formerly a loser in a riot, but borderline all-star now. So we'll see what happens, but I'll be interested to know.
1: Interesting. Um, Yeah, I'm interested to hear your thoughts.
0: I actually disagree. Uh, yeah, I'm going to let Greg speak. It took nah. everything in me to not
1: <laughs> jump in when you were talking. But go on, one, go on, Greg. Before, before, I, before I look at the talk, songs. You
0: know and... I think Greg's going to echo some of my thoughts. So the only thing I want to say before Greg is what I will give the sons and the jazz that no one else has really had is they've not had to face any adversity really with selection or illness or injury or anything. So that is the one thing I'll give them. But if they mm. stay healthy then I've been really impressed with them. But but Greg...
2: Yeah, I know, but I don't think they'll get any higher. That's not what I'm not saying yeah, there, but I'm the, they're back. They're going uh, to get better.
3: I mean, I, I look at the Suns and I think they're a team that's in like third or fourth gear. And I think they, you know, could potentially reach fifth gear. Um, you know, Booker, as you said, hasn't played as good as he probably hoped this season. You know, he definitely played more consistently and better last season. So if he can actually get back to last season's form for the second half of the season, I don't see a reason why, um, you know, it, it would take some pressure off a of CP3. Uh, Chris Paul's playing style. He's not a Westbrook. You know, he doesn't rely on speed, athleticism and so on and so forth. He's a lot, he's a lot more uh, calm and controlled and he's 35, 36 years old. He can continue to play this way, numbers, numbers aside, until, you know, 37, 38, 39. So I don't worry too much about Chris Paul. Um, but yeah I think Phoenix is a team that actually has a little bit uh, another gear to go another step so that doesn't mean that doesn't mean to say they're going to roll off a 20 game win streak but I certainly don't see them you know dropping to like
2: 6th or 7th in,
3: yeah. in the standings
2: that's fair I don't think they'll drop to that far the point is obviously who do you think will drop off slightly and I actually think they just slightly will because I'm not sure how sustainable it is purely like you said on the basis alone they have not faced any adversary which is maybe luck and what teams need that but that We'll see what happens in the second half of this like condensed season and there'll still be a top five team to me anyway, but I just don't know how far that will go. Like he said, as it gets closer to like post-season time. Oh, uh, what about yourself? Yes.
0: Yeah. Similar, similar to what Greg said, really. I think they're, I think I compared them on a pod somewhere to sort of Miami last year, where I think they're just rolling and they just have a lot of momentum Um, that I, I don't really see stopping. I think they're, I think there may be the problem for them is that there may be more of a regular season team than a postseason team, um, how they're currently constructed. Cause they've got a lot of guys like uh, Cam Johnson who, who looks good and then doesn't and looks tentative and then looks great. Um, we don't really know how, how much Mikael Bridges is going to really step up in a postseason environment, but then between Paul and Booker, I think they've got two match, two match winners, on any given night, which I think will help in the, in the crunch of the season. Chris Paul has been amazing. Like, I think Chris Paul has maybe yeah. even been better than he was last year, and he was amazing last year. I think Chris Paul's been incredible. But then, like Kay says, he's 36 years old. It's going to be a real grind of a season. So if they if, if Chris Paul drops out of the rotation for a few games, it might be a bit of a skid. But I think they're quite well built for the tail end of the season. I think Jay Crowder's a great, great guy to have in, in there. Um, I think De'Andre Ayton is still young and, and will benefit from, from playing regularly and I don't think he'll um, see too much trouble. He needs the reps, he needs the experience, he needs more close games to, to improve. But yeah, I think it's, it's health permitting, obviously, and, and they are uh, unique in that those players I've mentioned, none of them have really missed any time, maybe three games here, four games yeah. there at most.
1: Interested and even with CP3, obviously you guys know I'm a big CP3 fan. Um, he 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 switched to a vegan diet a few years ago, yeah. and um, yeah, since he switched to that vegan diet, um, in terms of injuries, if you actually check out, I can't, I can't remember the last time he missed any significant amount of time. I, think, I don't know. I might be I might be embellishing here, but I'm almost sure he played all all. How many regular season games did they play um, last season?
2: He played last year. He played seventy.
1: Yeah. And I,
2: yeah, How many did they play in total?
1: It was it was in and around seventy, wasn't it, that they played in t- that they played yeah, in total last year. So so yeah, so he he's been healthy and and I think he's kind of known that father time has caught up with him. And I think even as you get older, those injuries take. When you've lost so much from what you were at your apex. Those injuries take even more away from you when 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 you're kind of running on fumes and you're, you're using... And, your and, he's, and he's a
0: Beyond Meat ambassador. So when I was in the States and saw him on the advert, I was like, if it's good enough for CP3, then it's good That's enough for it. me. <laughs> and it wasn't even bad. It was actually really good. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah.
1: And, and, and in terms of Booker, obviously he's coming from a position where he had the ball and he kind of had that um, green light to do whatever he wanted um, all game and put up um, great numbers. And it's kind of been a, a growing process with him kind of adjusting to CP3, having the ball a lot more, picking his spots, his, his off the ball movement, the cuts he's making, the slashes. And I watched a bit of them the last few games before they broke up for the all-star game. And yeah, I was seeing a lot, a lot more from him. He was looking, I thought he was, he was going to dump on the Lakers that, that game, you know, when he came out, Um I think uh, he was going to the basket and who fouled him? I forget who fouled him. And then for like the next two minutes, he just was scoring at will, scoring at will. So he's slowly now starting to realise that it's okay for me to take over in spells and, Chris Paul will naturally defer and naturally need that rest anyway yeah. because he's 36. Yeah. And what I'm looking for in the second half of the season is for them to just get that balance right. Because even in that game against the Lakers, Chris Paul didn't score until the fourth quarter. So yeah. it was kind of like they were sharing the ball um, and guys were lights out from free. Saric, I think, put up 20 points. Um, but we know with Saric, he has injury issues, hot and cold. But I I see your point, and I'll be interested to to see what happens. And they'll definitely have to rest Chris Paul at some point. And I
2: really like Booker anyway. Like I don't want this to be prefaced with any like hot takes. Like I'm saying the clip. Oh no,
1: of course not. Too late. late.
0: (laughs) Yeah, on the flip side, Mariah. I'm saying, of course it is. I'm I'm coming. I'm gonna remind him. Nah, I'm a
2: big Booker fan, man. So hopefully, see happens. Hot
0: take canyon. Okay, cool. And then um, I'll
1: I'll finish up with um, you here, Greg. So um, who is your team of choice and tell us why you chose them?
3: Um, for me, the team that I'm slightly worried about, I'll phrase it under that, under that, uh, those, those words, that I'm slightly worried about is the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, you know, obviously we're kind of all familiar with their, with their last couple of seasons, them being amongst the, or be, them being the number one team in the East, uh, defensively being very good, you know, Yanis winning MVPs and defensive player of the year awards. Um, and then playoffs, you know, the the wall gets built and they're out in the second round or so. Um, This season, their defense has slipped. You know, the last two years, they were number one, I think, uh, in defensive rating, if not, you know, towards the top of the league. This year, they're only 12th. They're still protecting the paint well, uh, you know, limiting shots in the painted area. Teams are shooting a low percentage of the painted area. Well, where they're really falling apart is is the three-point defense. And obviously, you know, we've seen this year... Uh, I would say the numbers are somewhat uh, boosted or inflated, you know, due to uh, they're not being any fans in in the arenas or or limited number of fans. And this year, everyone is pretty much having a career year from, from three point land. Uh, And I think that's been reflected in kind of their volatility of results, you know, just just before the All-Star game, they won five in a row, then they lost five in a row, then they won five in a row again. You know, you need to see a little bit more consistency out of a team that is obviously aspiring for a championship. Um, so, yeah, that's my team that I'm kind of keeping my eye on a little bit. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the second half of the season because I think some of the other teams in the East are going are gonna to step up a gear. And I don't know if the Bucs have another gear to go to uh, on the defensive end when, when defending the perimeter, that is.
1: Cool. Uh, yes, Kay, okay. what are your thoughts
0: on? Uh, uh, bro, we said this, when the Bucks faced Miami last year in the playoffs pretty much everyone involved with the pod said it's the best shooting team from free against the team that is most happy with giving up shots from free,
2: And <laughs> it didn't end cool.
0: well for Milwaukee. And it's again, like, it's just like Greg said, they're just, they're just so content with that. And I think it's the worst season to be content with that, with the sort of empty gyms and everything like that. But my, my thing is as well with them, and I've spoken to it before, is just the depth is not good enough. Yeah. It's just not good enough. Like, I like Dante Di Vincenzo. He's a good defender. He can have some decent nights. Nice fade. But he's nice fade uh, for a ginger Italian. But he, like, he just... Like, he is a, a main player in that rotation now. And again, if your aspirations are title aspirations, they they look way too ordinary without Drew Holiday. And I don't think Drew Holiday is enough of an upgrade to really do so enough. And then I don't think, again... He's, like, he's one like, of... I don't think they've changed enough. they are another Clippers for me, and I don't think they've tried enough new. I wouldn't mind if I was them losing and you could see something completely different that they're trying. But I don't really think they have... Janis is, Janice is driving and kicking a bit less and they're sharing the ball a bit more, but it's, it's marginal things. It's not really... And you know when it comes crunch time, they're going to revert back to type. So, yeah, the depth and the... And the philosophy I just don't think are conducive to, to winning playoff games, to be honest. And then I don't think they have the talent around Giannis Middleton and Drew where like everyone has a fourth or a fifth guy that just steps up in a, in a playoff game. Um, I think they've lost sight of that to the point where Portis and Di Vincenzo and people like that are not even great to step up on a regular season night as well. Uh, yeah.
3: uh, I would somewhat disagree because I, I think Holiday's impact has been very, very... Uh, understated this season, like he's not being talked about, he's one one of my favourite point guards in the league to watch. I think Di, Di Vincenzo and Forbes as well have had their their good games uh, that's probably why I disagree, but but in terms of agreeing with you, they have had their kind of disaster nights as well. Uh, so I, I don't know I, I agree and disagree with what you're saying, yes in terms of stepping up for the second half of the season and postseason, I would agree with you in that sense like yeah, I don't think those guys are going to be the guys to, to help Lead you to the promised land.
0: And and what is it with Holiday? Because I I know he's missed loads of time. Is it just health and safety protocols, or has he got something nagging, or or what? He had COVID, didn't he? No, he had he had COVID. Yeah. 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 But then again, that might be like we've seen Jason Tatum for and Steph Curry. Their games after coming back from that have really struggled. So you're looking at potentially another ten games, fifteen games where Holiday doesn't really look like himself, and then they get a bad Mm. matchup in the seedings, and and so that's that's not. I knew he was out for the protocol. I didn't know he actually tested positive.
2: Yeah, it's for me, it's like the, the guys that said, just the double, triple down even. It's the same different day. Like, I remember at the start of the season, me and Yas were saying how great it is that Bledsoe's gone. And they've got Drew, great point guard, whatever, and that he'll add something to the team, especially defensively, and run the offense a bit better. But as we've seen, it just, like you said, might be, another clippers. Clippers isn't enough. The depth is somewhat air, because you've got Yanis Middleton, then Drew. Or Yannis Middleton, a, little, a bit of a drop-off, Drew, and then an even bigger drop off, and the rest who have their moments. So yeah, I think playoff time. We already know what it is. Give the ball to Janis, and inshallah. So and,
0: and one, one final point on terms of standing and dropping off and everything like that. If if I was to ask you lot for one word to sum up Boston and Miami's seasons so far, it wouldn't be a good word, right? They've had, they've had poor yeah. seasons, right? Both of them are Boston are three games off My, uh, Milwaukee, and Miami are four games off Milwaukee. And both of Boston and Miami have much easier schedules in the second half of the season, and have had their own big injury issues and everything like that. So I, 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 I easily, Sorry,
2: Chad, Miami have been especially bad. Like at least with Boston, Not you can kind of
0: understand where the shortcomings were, which he has said repeatedly. And Boston despite that, Milwaukee bad. are nowhere in front really. Like three games, four games is nothing. So. Yeah, and this is why
2: Giannis is being an MVP really and down. doing all he can, but it still won't be enough, I don't think, when it comes to it, because their philosophy is just not conducive to success, really. And They needed a new coach. But like, the thing we said that needs to change was Giannis needs to maybe operate in the paint a bit more. He operates in the paint mm-hmm. a lot, but he also needs to like at least have some sort of respectable 15-foot at most. And that's still not come.
3: Their their defensive philosophy is to leave guys open for three, which obviously isn't going to work in today's NBA. And then offensively, when it comes to Yanis, the coach isn't putting Yanis in a variety of positions to succeed as much as he needs to in order for the Bucks to succeed. Yeah. So for me, I think it starts with it starts with the coach before you get to the players. That's 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 for me personally.
1: Cool, cool. That's- so so that was the kind of. Uh... Everybody had a slightly different definition, but essentially these are teams who we don't expect them to do as well as the second half um, for a variety of reasons. That was really interesting and it'll be great to track that as the second half of the season goes on. Um, Now we'll we'll talk about teams that um, we're looking to do better than they did in the first half of the season. So you could say trending upwards or again, whatever word you guys had in your mind. Um, I'll start with you again, Yas. Who have you got and why?
0: Right, well, I've got I've got Denver, and I think Denver are one of the most interesting teams in the NBA. I think they're amazing to watch because offensively they're unreal because they're based around at least a second place MVP candidate this season, and I will say that very loudly and proudly in Nikola Jokic. Um, no, but he even even if he's not in someone's top two or top three, he's playing at a ridiculous offensive level, and he is probably I don't think there's anyone better. Maybe. In the league, who you can build a team around their skill set and and have an offense go so well, involving players like Will Barton, Monte Morris, and, and people like that, like he's he's been unreal. So they're sixth in the West at the moment, um, but again, they're only two games back off the Clippers, um, two and a half games back off the Lakers, and again, it's another team that had a really slow start to the season. I think they struggled with it. I think they just, I think they understated the importance of having good defensive, hardworking guys on their roster and downgrading. Hartenstein instead of Plumlee for me is a downgrade. Um, Jeremy Grant going out and they've kind of just lost him for no real depth there is a downgrade. And then Tory Craig was a good guy to have lock onto people in, in specific matchups. And again, they didn't really replace him. Now their guy who who goes on in specific matchups sometimes with, with their injuries is PJ Dozier, who's got better as a defender, but he's, he's not that level um the other thing with denver is we talked about the sun's consistency and how and them and utah have had such consistent lineups paul Millsap, big part of what denver did last year and do is miss 10 games gary harris has only played 19 of 36 games so for a team that often get criticized for their lack of defensive acumen gary harris is the one guard who you're like yeah he can lock people down and be really crafty and follow around screens He's missed 14 of the last 15. Um, Michael Porter Jr., they didn't really know what to do with him this year. So he only, he's only started 19 of 36, started the season on the bench, was poor off the bench. He couldn't find any sort of rhythm and his shooting wasn't good. Now, it's, it's kind of flipped. So last last tw- um, 15 games, Porter's come in as a starter, um, basically replaced Millsap at the four. And they've, funnily enough, lost Harris, who you'd say was their best defensive maybe player, and their five-man lineup of Barton, Jokic, Murray, Morris, and Porter Jr. is second in offensive rating and third in defensive rating since the very beginning of February, so the last 15, 16 games. They've been playing people off the court consistently. Jokic is now at a level of player where he can either go at you and score 37-40 if no one's getting hot, or he can bring people into into play and like the cuts that happen off of him and the passes he finds and the open spot up guys he finds are ridiculous. I I haven't checked the actual number, but the looks they get are fantastic. Um, Even like last 12 games. So again, Murray, Murray started the season with a nagging elbow and knee injury and everyone was just like bubble Murray, bubble Murray. Last 12 games is averaging over 28 points and five assists, one and a half steals ish. Um, and just looking a lot more like what he did in that bubble in terms of finishing around the rim. He's crafty. He's he's playing a lot harder on defense, um, closing out really well. He's not an amazing defender, but then what sort of main guard is, not not every guard team has that. Um, and they're just defending as a team a bit better. This is the thing. You you look around their, their roster, and I know that the boys on here will not jock it for his defense and everything like that. He's not a talented defender. He's not great at contesting. He's not a classically sort of, skilled big man in that regard but his fouling is way way down um he's actually like his his defensive rebounding isn't just empty it's really effective if you watch him throughout a game he boxes out really well gets his hands to things tips them out for transitions um and then around him people are just stepping up like their defensive rating in 15 games with Monte Morris coming into that Gary Harris role is really really good and yeah i think just they have people back now um i think having people out has maybe helped in a roundabout way in that a lot of the people that have been playing are people who needed reps. So Kampazo has come in um, and is a rookie. Although he's old, he's an NBA rookie coming from Europe. Um, Naji and Hampton, the draftees, looked really, really raw at the beginning. Naji, Zeke Naji in particular, is looking okay now. He's, He's benefited from the reps. Dozier's playing 20 minutes a game and not a polished offensive player at all, but defensively he's looked really, really solid. Um, and Kanchar, Kanchar's basically in his first real NBA season. He played three minutes a game in 14 games last year. And he's looked as a decent little replacement for, for Jokic over the last three, four games. So I just feel like he's coming together for them in a way that feels like his good momentum, feels like the roster's figured itself out. It, the, that, start, that five-man unit looks so good because we talk about teams needing a piece. I almost wouldn't be surprised if they look to move Gary Harris. He's on 19 million which is not great. I like Gary Harris as a defensive player, but he's got worse as a shooter every single year for the past five, Where to the point where he bricks up shit every game. And there is a weird thing for them of you kind of wonder if what he offers defensively is worth the trade-off in a team that is so offensively minded, especially with uh, Mike Malone. He's not a defensive coach at, by, at all. So I'm interested if they could maybe flip Gary Harris into something. I don't know if they would, but um, yeah, I feel like people are coming back. Millsap and Harris, if, if he doesn't get traded, will come back um, and strengthen up that. I have a bench unit. Michael Porter Jr. is the X Factor. If he, he's basically over his last 15 games the starter, shooting 50% on like seven threes a game. If he can keep that up, then he's still not anywhere near where he needs to be as a defender, bad as a playmaker. But if he's just that as the four, he's tough to defend for other teams. I, I, I just think, look, Jokic isn't slowing down. Jokic has been one of the best players in the league all season. Um, his defence is improved. It's not at an elite level at all, but it's better than it's ever been. He's getting exposed far worse than he ever has. He had, like, he didn't contest Giannis Dunks just before the All-Star break, but he was fronting up Giannis and forcing him into really tough post looks throughout that game. Um, yeah, I think Denver are really good, and I think I think this Clippers will slip. Um, I think the Lakers will slip because I think they'll they'll just look at the nonsense of the season and, and rest LeBron. And I think they'll be really cautious with AD. Um, and then, yeah, if, if the Suns get unlucky, I think the Suns could get dragged into that mix. Whereas Denver, I feel like their momentum's going completely the opposite way. They came from a, a tough start. And now if they get everybody back healthy and play in the offense, they're playing then they could be flying.
1: Oh, that was comprehensive. You did Ogie proud there. I don't think even Ogie could have done a better job than that. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you. I don't know what you to that. To be honest with you, that was that's hard to deny.
3: <laughs> I would say when Indeed. it comes to the Nuggets, there's two things that I think is is working against them. Number one is defensively their mid team, uh, and have been for the duration of the first half of the season. They've improved towards the second half of the first half of the season, if that makes sense. But I still don't see them, you know, becoming one of the better teams, like a top 10 or top seven team uh, defensively, which is where I think they would need to be in order to do some damage uh, come playoff time. And then secondly is just the depth of their roster in terms of talent. So when you look at the West, you know, the Jazz are kind of a team that their talent is spread out. Obviously, Mitchell and Gobert lead their team. The Suns have their big three, so to speak. The Lakers have LeBron in AD. The Clippers have PG and Kawhi. Even the Blazers, when they get uh, Nokic and McCullum back, have a, def- have a decent core. The Nuggets, you know, Jokic is Jokic. He's been one of the best players in the league uh, this season. Jamal Murray is, has been inconsistent so far this season. Obviously, you know, he started uh, kind of trending downwards and has since improved. But outside of Jokic and Murray, they don't really have a third or a fourth player that you can look at and say is is uh, is, is solid or is key. Uh, whereas these other teams in the West definitely have, you know, their top two or top three players. Uh, and the Nuggets, with their lone All Star, with Jokic, is kind of like even if they do, even if everything clicks and they, you know, hit fifth gear or however you want to describe it, there's still four or five other teams in the league that could be in fourth gear on cruise control and still be better than this Nuggets team, I feel, personally.
0: I think the talent point is a really good one. I was really surprised just looking at the numbers over such a long span of 15, 16 games, how good that five-man unit has worked together. And I think I think Barton and, Barton and Morris, Monte Morris, work quite well just because, look, the ball is g- not going to be in their hands. The ball is going to be in Djokic's hands or Murray's hands after that. And I think Jokic is just so good at finding, and they know so well the pass that he likes to make, the little bounce passes, getting it in the paint and just throwing it out to the weak side. I think the team is better than the sum of its parts just because they know his game so well. I think you're right in that the third player is an issue, and that has to be Porter Jr., just talent-wise. It's just yeah. a case of whether he can keep hitting his shots, essentially. Because if he can, he, like, he, he's, he has games where he's just hitting 24 points, 20 points, and if he can just do that, every second game, then I think that changes them massively. But that's a lot to ask for a guy that's in his, what, second year in the league? And his minutes are low as well, but I I think a lot of it is to do with what Murray does now. I think Murray had a really inconsistent first half of the year. He's had a great 12-game stretch, like, been unreal, and it's just a case of what he can carry on doing. I'd agree that the... if if... if, Isn't there like a Suns or a Jazz, but I I would go far as saying that I don't think Utah or... The Suns have a player do it well. Yeah, I don't think they have a player doing what Jokic is doing this season, as well as as well as I think Mitchell and Paul have done like that. So I think it's just that um, that toughness of kind of the balance in act, I like.
3: Yeah. If if MPJ could if MPJ was like Chris Middleton, then I would say like this Nuggets team has like room to move into just from a talent perspective, but they're still they're waiting on him to develop and turn into. That's
0: why, that's why I'm interested if they can make a move. That's that's what I'm interested.
1: Yeah, I'll be looking forward to watching that. Um, yeah, Jokic. I'm gonna watch more of him this half of the season. So I'm gonna mention that if he touches the ball in an offensive possession, a good a good shot is coming out of it. And um, and and with that praise, I have to see if 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 it is really living up to all of it. So I'm gonna to come to you again, Kay, um, to hear about the team that you're looking forward to watching um, going forward into the second half of the season. Um, so tell
2: us who you've got and why. say I'm looking forward to them. But I hope they get better. Because, <laughs> listen, I, I was I was there, here and there with them. And that was the Hawks, if people remember clearly. I was saying it should be interesting to what they exactly turn into. And as we've seen, it's turned off absolutely horrible. So one good thing that's come of all this is their coach is gone. RIP to Lloyd Pierce. He's left the team. Um, but now they've got um, Nate McMillan in, interim head coach. And as they stand now, I believe they're 25th in defensive rating in the league which is disgraceful. No, tw- 23rd, apologies. 23rd in defensive rating. And one thing Neymar Millen can teach, at least, is defence. And they've never really had a problem scoring between Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, can play the ball. Who else is there? They've got Bogdan Bogdanovich coming back from his fractured knee and would hope... John Collins, who's side, defense. will try John and, and trade you in the fantasy. Clint, I, don't, I don't expect much from Clint. They've got Chris Dunn, who's actually been injured. But he's not actually played yet. So him coming back, and he's actually one of the premier guard defenders in the league, and him coming back should be, I think, really useful for them, depending on how quickly up the speed that he gets. Because as we know, Trey is a sieve on defence, so they at least need some defensive presence from their guards. But scoring isn't the problem, and I really just think like defence is the thing that's going to maybe just push them up in the east, because right now they are absolutely horrible. And I know there were some fractures earlier in the season. There were reports coming out that the team didn't really like the shots that Trey was taking and so forth. But hopefully, Nate McMillan coming in can push them up to maybe get in the playing tournament because I'm not sure how... F- I think they've fallen behind pretty far right now. I didn't think they'd fall down this far initially. So right now, the aim would be to get into the playing tournament, not specifically a playoff spot, and we'll see what happens with them. But right now, they've been extremely disappointing and they actually can't get worse because if they get worse... They're with Detroit in there, man. And that is a bad place to be. <laughs> they're only they only a game back on eighth, actually. So this they're they're, so they're, there and, they're there and they're there
1: and thereabouts.
2: They can go up from there. So that's that's the whole thing. They can actually move up. And Nate McMillan I think might be the guy to do that. Interesting. Um Yas and Greg, just to quickly get your thoughts. I
0: purposely didn't pick a team in the east for my uh going to do well because it's such a mess in the middle of there that I just have no idea. It could be Atlanta, it could be the Wizards, it could be Charlotte, I, I just have no idea. Um But yeah, Atlanta, if they get if they get some people back, uh, I don't know what's happening with DeAndre Hunter, but if they get Bogdanovich back, if they get Galinari in his rhythm, then they, they, sh- they should be looking at the playoffs this year. Simple. Like, with the acquisitions they made, the money they committed in the Eastern Conference, they should be looking uh, to win those play-ins at worst. Exactly. By yeah,
3: us. agreed. I mean, that... Seven, eight, nine, 10, whole cluster of teams in the East. I think that's low-key going to be a, a very good battle for uh for seventh and eighth spot um, going into the play-in tournament.
1: Agreed, agreed. And since we're on you, we'll finish with you, Greg. Um, this one won't be a surprise, but let us know who you're looking at going into the second half of the season and why.
3: The Nets, man. Um, I think, you know, they're... They're currently half a game back uh, from the top top seed in the East. And I don't even think like they've hit fifth gear yet. As you guys can tell, I like, I like my car analogies. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't even think they've hit fifth gear yet. I mean, the big three have played, what, six? Six or seven games together. So they've played uh, 30, 35 games so far this season and the big three have played six. If they can stay healthy, the three of them, and actually play together and get 15, 20 games in a row together, regardless of what the minutes are, I think things can only go up uh, in that department. Obviously, the big thing with the Nets is their, is their defense. Brown, over the last 10 games, I don't know what his numbers have been, but defensively, he's a high-impact guy. Uh, and then even offensively as well, he had 29 points versus, I want to say the Kings at home uh, the other day. Uh, but from a defensive standpoint, he's been really good and just been giving good effort for them. Uh, Claxton has, has, has emerged in the last five or six games. He's kind of a, of that uh, Jared Allen build where he's long, he's wiry, he can catch lobs. Uh, he gives a good effort defensively, can move his feet, uh, isn't going to get abused in the pick and roll like DeAndre Jordan. Um, I'm really looking at DeAndre to play basically, you know, not the same level he did versus the Clippers, but to give that same sort of effort he did versus the Clippers for the second half of the season. Um, and I said on a previous podcast, obviously, you know, to, to be successful as a team, you need offense and defense. Um, we obviously know the Nets are all-time great when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. But if they can step up defensively and guys like Brown and Claxton and DeAndre can, can just be more consistent, then I think this is a team that, um, you know, is going to do some damage come post-season time. And the last thing I will say with the Nets as well is I don't think chemistry is an issue when you're talking the big three because I think they all are under the same umbrella of we want to win a championship this year. Let's just do whatever we need to do. You know, numbers aside, I don't care if I average 30 or three points a game, you know, we just need to win. But I will say that execution is one thing. And Nash mentioned it uh, early in the season. And that is like, he's using some of these uh, games where they're up 20 or up 30 in the, in the third or fourth quarter to like run out of bounds plays, to practice for late game c- scenarios. And this is one of the things that kind of people forget when you put so many new pieces together, is that just like Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker, it does take some time for these guys to gel together. They have to get familiar with each other's tendencies and, you know, just percentages and things like that. Like what, where does this player like to catch the ball on the floor? And especially going into the postseason uh, and the second half of the season where, where teams like to fine tune things, you're gonna see some of the veteran teams like the Lakers with LeBron and whatnot. He knows what he's doing. You know, we know he can switch it from second gear to sixth gear like, like that. But with a team like the Nets where you have so many moving pieces, they need to kind of get settled uh going into the postseason. But I think I think they will I think they will do well.
1: Yes. Cool. Yeah. Um so just quickly to get your thoughts, um, yes and Kay on on the nets. Um, and I will ask a question to you both as well. Durant's been out since about mid Feb with a hamstring injury. Um, just speculating. Give me your thoughts on that while you also give me your thoughts on the
0: nets. I don't know. I think they're probably just being very precautious, if I'm honest. Uh, very, very cautious. And he's come off a major injury. I think they're just... I don't think that's anything to worry about. If I'm completely honest, like, they were over... For me, they were heavy favourites with just Durant and Kyrie. And I now think Harden is their best player. So, (laughs) there you go. Um, Mm. (laughs) I think think he's the most important player because he's the one who's conceded the newest role and he's the one who's running the offence. Um, I think they'd probably be my favorites for the chip, even if Durant was out indefinitely. Honestly, I think Harden has been that good and the role players have stepped up that well. The only last thing I want to say on the Nets is that I feel so bad for Bruce Brown. He's played his little heart out and then he just goes to see see uh, Blake Griffin get signed to probably take all of his minutes. So uh, no, hell
3: no. If they if Blake Griffin takes Bruce Brown's minutes, I'm writing an open letter to the Bro. Nets organisation. <laughs> That's
2: what I think is going to happen. That's what I think is going <laughs> to happen. Scary hours. Scary hours right now. Like, like you said, you saw my MVP ladder. Harden was third in it, I believe. And yeah, they're a very, very dangerous team on offence now. And they were already, like you said, one of the favourites without Harden. And now they've got him actually running things properly and people seeing that, guess what? He's not the guy who was taking 75 shots a game, dribbling through his legs at Houston. He can actually play basketball properly. Now we can see. So, yeah, it's a bit unsettling as a Lakers fan, but we've got our chip, man. That's obscurity we go. So I'm a happy man, at least in that sense. But, yeah, the Nets, they're going to get a lot better, I think, as well, especially like Greg said, seven games is nothing. And the KD injury, that's also nothing. Just precaution like with the AD injury. Just sit them as long as you can and then get cracking later.
1: Cool, cool, cool. And with that, I just want to thank you all for your time this evening. Uh, peace. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.